Welcome to this week's MVP podcast, episode 24. Uh, 24. 24. Uh, we have Arch Greaves here. Awesome, fascinating guy. He is he is a real estate investor, but he's not a real estate investor of like what we've had in the past shows. He's not full-time. He is a casual, and he loves being casual. Yeah. And he, he has his full-time job. Which ties in very well to real estate. Yeah, and he does talk about where that does fall into the whole realm of uh, real estate. So if you are a real estate investor, he's got a little pro tip. Well, he's got a few tips. He's got a lot. Of tips. And he's got history lessons all through the show. It's been a great, amazing show. So he's a fascinating guy. Um, he talks about a little bit about all of his deals. Um, talks about kind of the development within his real estate career. I'll still call it a career, even yeah. though he's very passive, and he loves being passive with it. But if you're on the fringe of can you do real estate or can you not? Listen to the show as proof that you can. You don't need to go 100 miles an hour from the get-go. You can take it at your own pace, and you can go within your comfort zone and be happy. Yeah. So let's start the show. Yeah, so my name's Arch Greaves, and I, uh, I'm i a, a real estate investor, I guess you would say. Um, and um, that's a, a side job, I guess I would call it. Um, I'm a full-time professional mediator. I work for the city of Dayton uh, as a mediator. And um, then I also you know, do some things in my spare time, uh, including uh, I'm the chair of the Dayton Sister City Committee. And then um, another thing that I like to do is um, YouTubing. And so I've got a YouTube channel called uh, My Neck of the Woods, where um, I'm kind of working on uh, some projects, uh, like a building a little tiny house office and a little tiny house cabin. So, um, so that's a little bit about me. Well, first, I want to ask you where your sister city is. Well, we actually have six sister cities, and yeah. so um, let's see if I can remember them all. We've got um, Augsburg, Germany. Uh, we've got Oiso, Japan. We've got Monrovia, Liberia. Nice. Alone, Israel. Um, Rushmore, England. Okay. And Sarajevo in Bosnia-Herzegovina. You, you named them all. That's amazing. I was counting. <laughs> we may have to edit this out, but what was it? A sister city? Yeah. Don't you know? Like, we no. have a sister city in Germany, in Oconwalk. Really? Yeah. Yeah, sister cities uh, was actually started by President Eisenhower after World War II to try to help people, um, you know, that had been through, the, you know, the, the horrors of World War II to try to start to come together through cultural exchanges and he really believed in person-to-person diplomacy, and so that's what citizen diplomacy, that's what it's all about. So we try to, you know, connect with people in other countries. I've had the really uh, um, uh, great privilege of being able to go to two of our sister cities. I've been to Sarajevo in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and I've been to Rushmore, England. Wow. That's really cool. I never knew the history behind Sister Cities. I just knew that they actually existed and that there was some <laughs> want or need to, you know, share cultural experiences between the two cities. It's kind of like a foreign exchange program, but for anybody and, like, I don't know, adults specifically. Absolutely, yeah. And actually, we do stuff with students as well. So we, 
we have a couple of uh, student exchange programs. I've actually been lucky enough to help take some students over to Bosnia-Herzegovina multiple times That's and then awesome. actually host students. Yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. Sounds cool. I'm, like, super intrigued. I wish I had room in my house to actually, like, host a student here because I totally would. Yeah, there you go. I just learned something new. I had no idea. <laughs> like, I know what I'm reading tonight. I'm going to YouTube hey, all of that. That's so cool. Wow. Hey, all right. President find Eisenhower. Our, find out where our, um, where our sister city is and then, you know, schedule a trip. That I might have Absolutely. to. Give me a reason to travel. There you go. I don't travel yeah. much. Within an hour and a half of my house, and that's about <laughs> it. Well, no one does these days, so I understand. Right? <laughs> that's true. So I'm not missing out. No. Not behind the eight ball. <laughs> anyway, can you tell us a little bit about like your tiny home? I think we're both kind of chomping at the bit wanting to hear about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sure. Yeah. I. Um, so I've always really loved tiny homes, um, and I've kind of been in love with them. Um, you know, for ever since actually I started watching, I, I, I just happened to like catch this episode of Oprah where she was like interviewing people who had tiny homes. And then I, I read about like tiny home communities and I just always have been fascinated like for probably a decade with, with tiny homes and I've always wanted to build one. And so uh, I'm starting super small, um, and I, I even, you know, I, I hesitate sometimes to call it a tiny home. Sometimes people call them relaxed shacks, but uh, <laughs> basically I built, um, yeah, I built a, a tiny house office first uh, back in, in my backyard. Uh, during the pandemic, I was uh, put on a temporary emergency leave, and so I had a bunch of time on my hands, and so... Um, I, you know, put this, uh, little tiny house office together and then I thought, you know, I think I could do this again. And my brother and I own an Airbnb down in Southern Ohio. And, um, I thought, you know, it'd be really fun to do it out of repurposed materials. And so I started collecting a bunch of repurposed materials and kind of recreated the tiny house office, but as a little tiny house cabin with a wood burning stove and, um, and everything. And it's got, it sleeps two people. It's got some bunk beds and um you know i'm trying I'm, it's a work in progress so i'm i've just built the the little cabin and i want to build some other stuff to go around it maybe an outhouse you know maybe uh area so it could be a lot that's awesome i am totally intrigued with the tiny homes and i would love to like build one except for the fact that i basically live in a tiny home like my house is very petite. <laughs> it's like 700 square feet so it's not far okay. off from a tiny home maybe two tiny homes combined and two, yeah. our city doesn't allow them. They don't? No, because when I was building my house, I wanted to put an ADU in the back, which what? is an accessory dwelling unit. Okay. So basically, I was going to put in, or like an in-law suite, basically, mm. in the backyard and just have that be, like, have a couple beds, like a, I don't know, something where people could stay. Three little boys at home, they would have fun with it. Shot down immediately. So like the tiny home thing, because I was looking into tiny homes like crazy. They can make them out of shipping containers, yeah, I've seen them. like oh, reuse yeah. all this stuff. And I was like, cool, I can do it that way. And then the city said they don't allow them. And Airbnbs. Reason? So you do two things that I'm fascinated that I cannot do. What was their reason? Um, they just don't. It's just a thing that they don't do. They just refuse. Yeah. Which, That's a bummer. I know. I know. And I, I was thinking about 
all the possibilities on all the properties to put like little ADUs on them, and it just this area doesn't do it. And right. it, like it's hard to find in Waukesha County. We're not in the cool, the cool kids. I know, which is why I'm fascinated with the tiny home. So did you, did you build this as like a prefab and you put it up and you built the interior? Or did you literally pour the slab and build it all from, from scratch? Well, so it's a very, uh, it's, I mean, when I say tiny, this is a eight foot by eight foot. <laughs> so, yeah. um, that's, um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's super small. Um, what, what I did for both of them is a little bit different. So, uh, there's already a lab here in, uh, in the one in Dayton. So I was actually able to just put it on top of it. Like the previous owners had just kind of put like a little dining area, um, and, so it was already poured and oh, so cool. i literally had put it on top of that and um uh so yeah it's not uh it's not tied down or anything like that um and uh i recently put solar on it um so i've got some solar power out here so that's cool and then i've got a uh a heater for this one um and then for the the other one that's down in uh southern ohio it's in ripley ohio is where i have the airbnb and um that's where i put the other tiny house uh cabin uh is what i call it and that's just on cinder blocks is all really that's That's awesome and do you i want to talk more on the airbnb and i don't want to lose my thought but with the tiny home is that something that just came as you were interested in it, you started to build it, or where in your portfolio in terms of your rentals and your Airbnbs did this come? Like how did that all fit in with your real estate career? Well, it was more, so the one that I built in my backyard was more because the pandemic hit and I had some time on my hands and I wanted a place where I could work from home, you know? So I, I spend like, most of my time out here because I spend most of my day working out here. Um, and, uh, and then I spend a lot of time relaxing out here too. Um, but the, um, you know, so, so it was really mostly for me. Uh, the other one was down in, uh, Southern Ohio. I'm also, uh, I rented out to hunters. And so I built the cabin in a place that can be a place where you can actually stay in the woods overnight. And then, uh, you can wake up and you can hunt from the cabin, basically. So, that's um, cool. I, that's you know, smart. that's actually what I did uh, this last year. So it was a lot of fun. My husband and his father and I don't know if their cousins or something own a piece of uh, hunting land up in Minnesota. And I feel like that could be a really good idea for them up there, too, because he was telling me their whatever hunting shack or whatever is basically falling apart or just not up to snuff. Um, so that could be really cool for them up there. Yeah. And I, oh, sorry, you go. Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, I was just saying, I mean, this is super I, – I did this thing for uh, a very 
small amount of money. Uh, this is the kind of thing anyone can do, I think. And I guess that would be my big message is to start small. You know, uh, I would love to, to build something that's more involved. And I actually, I was inspired by a friend of mine. He has a YouTube channel called A Cabin in 50 Acres. And he's building like an awesome cabin. Uh, I don't know exactly how many square feet it is, but it's a tiny house cabin, basically. And uh, I mean, it's amazing. He's got he's got it completely off grid, and he's done a YouTube channel about it, and you know has quite a few people following, and uh, just you know who are into the whole tiny house movement, and um, and who want to see that you know uh, see that that kind of thing, I guess. That's so much stuff to watch tonight. And over the weekend. Uh, the cool thing is those solar panels. I've been looking into those. And there's companies out there that they install them for free. And then basically whatever your electrical bill is for the last few months, whatever that difference is of what you save in solar, you just pay them. And you keep doing that until it's paid off. Oh. And then you're basically energy free. That's a great idea. Right. Like no money down. Is that what they do in Ohio? I do, I do know that there are programs like that. I, I did try to check that out from my house, and unfortunately they said our electricity bills weren't high enough for it to be um, cost, you know. Yeah, so we didn't end up doing it, unfortunately, because I was really excited about that. Yeah, and that's what got me interested. I don't even know if I would qualify, but I'm looking into it. We'll see. Totally should. I mean, if this was going to be our forever house, I would too, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I can't live in 740 square feet forever. I need a little bit more. I understand. It will come. One day. Um, <laughs> so what got you as a mediator into real estate? What was that moment that you got either presented uh, property or just, hey, I want to try this. This seems cool. Well, I should say I wasn't actually a mediator at the time. I was actually a teacher when I started doing real estate. And um, I'm going to guess I'm, history. I'm sorry? I'm going to guess history teacher. You were right. <laughs> he pulled out Eisenhower and background of that whole thing. That's, that's the only thing I have. You're talking to a fellow nerd here, too. Awesome. That's great. Guilty. I love that. But yeah, I was I was a social studies teacher, and I, uh, you know, which includes actually you know economics and things, and so um, I've always kind of been into investing, and I was initially more interested in stocks and things, and then I kind of got less interested in that and became more interested in real estate, and um, one of the neighborhoods here in Dayton just seemed like it was really up and coming, and. Um, I decided that I really wanted to invest and I actually, it was kind of funny because we had some good friends uh, who were looking for a place and um, they wanted to just rent because they didn't think they were going to be there for that long. And so I said, well, maybe we can kind of shop together for something and find something we both like. And, um, you know, it actually ended up being a, a great uh, it worked out really well, which I don't know that I would always recommend to people to, you know, rent to your friends, but uh, in this situation, it turned out okay, thankfully. So, um, so that was kind of how I got into it. That's cool. Yeah, it could get sticky with either family or friends renting from you because we've talked in previous shows like it is a business, but you are dealing with people and that gray area could get 
real sticky. I've tried working with husbands in the past. Did not work. Did not work <laughs> at all. <laughs> Understand. But it's very cool that you can go house hunting when you know you have a tenant. Right. Right. That's it really exactly. eases the tension. And how long did they end up staying? I think it was about five years, really. Um, Dang. And it was really cool. They they ended up, you know, getting married during that time and everything. So the, the house was really important to them, and uh, they have their own place now. But um, but yeah, it was really neat that you know it was it was a cool place for them to live for a while. And then um, it's really you know I I kind of debate whether or not I want to keep it or sell it because the neighborhood is really kind of done. Uh, there's a lot that's happened in the neighborhood and. Uh, in that period of time and uh, there there's been a lot of uh, real human capital I guess you know invested in the community and people have really taken seriously kind of the idea that they live in a neighborhood that they want to take care of so it's been really good yeah that's great to hear you love to hear that in your investment communities oh for sure yeah definitely heck I'd like to hear that in any community that's true yeah exactly um so with that, you had the one property that you still have. Do you have any other like long-term rentals or just the Airbnb that you mentioned before? So I do uh, have a couple other long-term rentals. Um, uh, one is actually a home that we used to live in uh, in Xenia, uh, Ohio, which is kind of like 20 minutes outside of Dayton, which is my hometown. That's where I grew up. That's where I bought my first home before I moved to Dayton and um, we, uh, we lived there for probably 10 years and then right around the time when we got this uh, this rental property in Dayton um, that, that was in that neighborhood I was talking about, which is St. Anne's Hill is the name of the neighborhood, um, we also decided that uh, we wanted to move to Dayton as well because we were going there all the time to hang out with friends and we just really liked it a lot so we wanted to get um, to Dayton. And so I didn't really want to sell the house. I wanted to go ahead and turn it into a rental property and kind of expand the portfolio a little bit. So we still have that property and, uh, it's been a good return on investment as well. And then, um, I just purchased a, uh, four unit rental property, um, uh, recently as well. All right. Making the jump into four unit. Yeah, which is a bigger jump than I realized. <laughs> what are what are some of the things that you came across that were like a little bit different or like the learning curve on it? Well, so, you know, I rent uh I rent uh for the most part uh to, you know, families uh who, you know, uh are moving in and they are planning on just uh you know, taking care of the yard and things like that. And then when you have a four unit property, you realize, Oh, when it's snowing outside, you're responsible for like shoveling and salt and mowing yep. the yard yeah. and things like that, um, that you don't necessarily think about. So, um, I, uh, I actually, um, you know, it got to be more than I realized it was going to be. And so I actually um, contracted with a property management company and, um, you know, I'm paying them a, a price per unit for uh, for managing the property for me. And, um, and that's been working out pretty well. Yeah, that was actually my next question. With all these properties and the Airbnbs, do you self-manage all that on top of your full-time job or do you, I mean, parcel that out? So... 
and Airbnbs have a lot more work because there's a lot more turnover. Does that right. property management company handle both? No, I'm still handling uh, the Airbnb, um, actually, and you know it's been uh, I've gotten it I've gotten it to a point where I think it's it's kind of um, it's managing itself for the most part. I've got a, a person who does the cleaning there and uh, takes care of the yard. Uh, and then, you know, it's a small community, so there's always someone I can call to, you know, help me out in a pinch if I can't get down there because it is two hours away from where I live. I'm, I'm in Dayton, I'm in Dayton, Ohio, and it's down in Ripley, Ohio, which is right along the Ohio river. So, um, so it is a challenge, but I do love going down there all the time. So that's where my, you know, that's where the tiny house cabin is. And I love going hunting. And so I just like spending time in the woods there. What do you hunt when you're down there? There are uh, turkey and uh, deer, and so I go deer hunting every year. I go to do deer gun season every year, so that's the one you know week a year that I make sure it's blocked off for me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds appropriate. It sounds like what my uh, father-in-law does too. So, but um, what was one of the biggest? challenges you found when you were building your tiny home well so it's uh it's at the very top of a hill and so the biggest challenge was getting the supplies up there um so i mean i i basically replicated what i did here it's an eight by eight little tiny house cabin and um you know we we put a stove in it uh, it's got two uh, bunk beds that convert into like a little couch, uh, so it, but I mean it's rugged, <laughs> it's super rugged, and uh, I, you know, getting the materials up the hill was the biggest challenge because uh, it's a huge hill, and I only had a gator uh, with a, a buddy of mine had a trailer that I was able to borrow that was narrow enough to fit through, but wouldn't always like, you know, make all the turns that we needed it to so sure. sometimes we'd have to like, lift up the trailer to get the you know oh. the uh, wheels back on the tracks so it was kind of crazy i feel like i'm watching one of those shows on like discovery or tlc or something <laughs> that's what we were going for a little bit i guess cool. so it was it was fun, that's fun. i mean it was fun this... friends, so you know that was the cool part about it yeah i'm picturing my son's video he watches this guy in the middle of the jungle like build a pool so he just starts like digging and it's all in fast forward. Oh, yeah, so it seems like it takes like an hour, but really it probably took like days and days and days. But man, it's crazy what you can do when you actually like put your mind. To yeah. It. Put your mind to like, I'm building a tiny home and you just figure out how to get the supplies up and how to build it and how to engineer it. Did you talking about engineering? Did you get engineering or is this something that you can kind of handle with your background in building? Well, so I, uh, you know, I grew up doing uh, woodworking with my grandfather a lot, and then I really enjoyed woodworking in high school, and then when I was in college, I worked for a guy for a while who was remodeling his house, and so he taught me quite a bit, um, just, uh, you know, about framing, and, you know, we were doing roofing we i mean we did it all electrical and all that stuff and so um i learned a little bit about everything so i just know enough to be dangerous <laughs> uh that learn was by of, doing i mean 
It's the best way to do yeah. it. Right? Yeah, so it's, um, it hasn't fallen down, so that's great. I count it as a win. Major plus. <laughs> yeah. Major plus. Um, going back to, and sorry to jump around, but going back to that Airbnb, what got you into that kind of investing? Because not a lot of people like Airbnbs because there's a lot more cleaning. There's a lot more turnover. There's a lot more financials because there's much stability. Yeah, there's a lot more transactions. So how what, what interests you about Airbnb or what pushed you to get into it? Well, I actually um, bought the property along with my brother. And so uh, we bought it because my grandparents owned the property for 30 years and then they were selling it. And we really didn't want to see it leave the family. And so uh, we decided to invest in part because of nostalgia, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, probably not always a great reason, but I also saw a lot of potential there because I really enjoy going down to this community. It's a small, um, you know, uh, little river town. And, you know, there are definitely, it's got its challenges for sure, the, just like any small community does these days. But there's a lot of people who are trying to change that. And, um, you know, it's a lot of, um, uh, there's, there's so much history there. Um, and just a lot of potential, I think, um, you know, so, um, the property also comes with 23 acres attached to it. And I just kind of saw that as, you know, a, a way that I might be able to leverage the property to rent yeah. to hunters and people like, you know, want to have their own private park basically. So, uh, that was, uh, kind of the, the, the reasoning. And then on top of all that, of course, we enjoy going to it as well. <laughs> so right. We didn't want it to be a long-term rental where, you know, someone would basically shut us out of ever being able to see the property because we bought it because we wanted to go there, you know? So, um, my brother's going there next week and I go there quite frequently whenever it's empty. A lot of times I'll just, you know, pop down. So it's only two hours away. It's not that far. Yeah. I mean, that's perfect. If I mean, you're keeping something in the household that you want. You talk about that nostalgia aspect. Plus it's something that you use. So why not also let other people use it and help pay down some of that debt with it? So I yeah. feel like that's a win-win. That's a great, a great idea. Yeah, we've had a lot of luck with Airbnb, and um, I uh, uh, I really enjoy it. I, I I mean, doing it, you know, communicating with guests and um, introducing other people. You know, a lot of people have never been there, and so they get to see it. And there's a lot of cool history there. You know, I mentioned earlier as the history teacher. Uh, <laughs> I was going to uh, say it. You know, there's it. there's a lot of cool stuff. There's actually a. Uh, uh, there's a, uh, a park there, an, uh, uh, an Ohio historic park that's a, uh, it's dedicated to John Rankin and it was his home and he was, um, a, uh, Presbyterian minister who was a, uh, underground railroad conductor. And so his entire family was involved in the underground railroad and, you know, helping people escape, um, slavery uh it's actually the house where uh there's a story in uncle tom's cabin that's based off of um you know this this woman who was a formerly enslaved person who just escaped uh to ohio from kentucky so there's some crazy history there uh there's also john parker who was a uh, formerly enslaved person who 
uh, bought his freedom and then became an underground railroad conductor. And then also like started all these, you know, had all these patents, uh, for all these different kinds of machines because he became this really wealthy industrialist, uh, foundry owner. So, I mean, there's just so much cool history there. That's, that's intriguing. Like even for me, who's not a history buff, who's not a history nerd, um, I think that's really cool. Yeah. So would you ever invest anywhere besides like locally or besides in Ohio? Like, would you ever branch out to like, I don't know your, your favorite vacation location? Oh, you know what? I've said for years that my dream is to buy a place in Bosnia Herzegovina. Um, that is, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, it's got this amazing climate and, uh, my, one of my favorite cities over there is Mostar and it's this Mediterranean climate. So it's super warm there. And they have this beautiful river that runs through the middle of the, the city. Uh, it's like being in a, uh, Bosnia itself. A lot of people describe it like middle East meets Germany almost. And it's just a full clash of cultures and, uh, amazing food. So, um, that would definitely be the place I would want to invest for sure. That's, that would be some long distance investment right there. It would, and I'm trying to figure it out. I've looked seriously into it, and I've not figured out yet how to do it. But one of these days, I'm going to. I hope. I totally understand. My my brother-in-law and my sister are dying to perhaps even purchase their soul home overseas right now. They're looking at uh, Italy, I think, Italy or France. So it's interesting to talk to investors or potential investors who are looking to purchase property abroad like that to me just seems so scary like i can't even get out of oh, county <laughs> so you're talking about going international i'm like oh no like where yeah, am i going to no, find a plumber yeah yeah i know Google. i mean you make friends over there and then they know a person and then you're good so of it's fine they know the best people because Everybody who is local right. knows the best person. It's not what Google tells you. It's true. Exactly. That's true. Um, is there any, like what I liked about that, that uh, Airbnb, the more and more you talk about it, one, I want an Airbnb, so I'm already interested. But two, like you went into it with, all right, maybe this isn't the most uh, income producing property, but there's so much potential. And then you actually, you went that extra step with what is that potential? Renting out to hunters, the Airbnb aspect. I mean, there could be something down the road where you parcel off some of it and sell it. I don't know if that's in it, but there's so much more potential in it than just face value. And if you can get creative like that, anything can turn out. And it seems like with that creativity, that property just, it nailed it, is what it sounds like. I, yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, you know, it's definitely been worth it, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's It's been what we wanted it to be, which was a place that we could go and enjoy that would hopefully kind of break even, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, that was kind of the goal. And I'm, I'm excited for this year because I, you know, we'll, we'll actually have a full year to see data on because we only bought it last July. So... The winter is kind of tough because it's up a very steep driveway, but, um, you know, the, 
the the summer months it tends to do pretty well running out so we'll see how it goes i guess and even in a small town it rents out yeah um you know and yeah one of the cool things is it's it's close to a lot of cool places in kentucky uh so there's a Maysville, Kentucky, which I like to go to, and they have a cool old downtown area. There's this nice restaurant there on the water, and uh, there's a really great Korean restaurant. And then um, there's also a Korean um, restaurant in Kentucky. Yeah. Oh my god! It um, like, took me a second to actually click and like make sense, and I was like, "Hold on, I, that sounds delicious." Yeah, it's a it's a great little Korean restaurant, and then which is more, you know makes more sense i guess is a uh, a distillery in maysville called okay. old Pope, and i love going over there because they uh, you know they're a small batch distillery that you can go and visit and you can get samples and everything and uh then you can leave with a bottle of you know whatever you want to get so um there's that there's a winery down there uh there's a brewery down there so there's just a lot of you know i mean you can tell where my mind is at i guess it's friday uh evening hey i know i was just thinking i'm like just keep talking i'm gonna i'm just gonna go into the fridge and grab my bottle exactly (laughs) uh speaking of kentucky at the distillery i heard that the limestone in kentucky is like prime for distillery or for like bourbon or whiskey yeah so i figured that there's gonna be a lot down there I don't I know. Guess I didn't even think about that. I'm not. I'm not in the know with the alcohol. I just know that I like to drink it. So. <laughs> I'm by and no I, means like so, this oh, big sorry. distillery like knowledgeable person. I, I think I went through because I had played baseball in college. We went to Kentucky and we went around. We couldn't drink that day, um, but they started talking about like why there's a lot of distilleries in Kentucky, and that was the reason. I didn't know if it was real or not, but. I mean, who knows? That makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I do have to tell you one quick story that's really cool, which yeah. is that uh, the other direction uh, towards Cincinnati, if you go that way 15 minutes, cross the river on this little ferry boat in your car, and then you get to Augusta, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That is where George Clooney's parents live, and I met them at a bar one night. Shut <laughs> up. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, George Clooney's parents, Nick and uh, Nina. And uh, Nick was like a radio broadcaster and TV host, you know, from Cincinnati. And so, like, you recognize him right away. And then uh, George Clooney's mom, Nina, runs her own little antique store. And you can go in and meet his mom, and, you know. So it's yeah, pretty cool. cool. I feel like that whole Clooney family would be very fun to hang out with. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we had... Uh, we just kind of invited ourselves to drinks one night. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, do you yeah, have, sir. like, where are you, where are you going this year? Like, do you have plans to buy more properties or is it kind of on a scale where if an opportunity pops up, you take it or? Um, I would say actually I'm probably done for now at the moment trying to get new more properties. Um, we, uh, you know, just raising the capital. Um, I, I've gotten one of the things, one of the reasons I guess that I wanted to invest in more properties was, you know, to maybe one day be able to go part time and um, and manage those. Um, and so, um, 
I've, you know, kind of realized that I need to kind of get more properties in order to be able to do that. And so I'm going to have to keep the full-time job, which was part of the reason why I went with the property management company so that I was able to continue to get, uh, you know, an additional property, but keep working. So, um, so I don't know that I'll, you know, get any in the near future, but it's definitely something that, you know, I've always got in the back of my mind. Yeah. And what I like, and hopefully our viewers see this as well, is you don't have to be that big real estate right. foot to the the pedal. Like we're gonna get ten doors this year, oh, and sure. this is our cap rate. You can do it on the side. Trust me, when I decide to invest, it'll be on the side. Yeah, I cannot like I cannot open another uh, business that like. That is that scary. <laughs> like, that's scary to me is to own right. properties. You know, it's like, this is all of my money. It's all right here. Yeah. Okay. Like, that's yeah. too nerve-wracking for me. I let you do that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, but that, that casual investor mindset where, hey, you had the opportunity to do it. Everything that you looked at kind of made sense. You get a little, I mean, side cash, side yeah. wealth along with the job that you enjoy. Like, it seems like you've kind of created this. You're winning all around. Yeah. World. <laughs> we're, we're certainly trying. I will say, too, one thing that helps, I think, is the, the background now that I've got in mediation. We actually have, uh, my boss would want me to mention this, even though I'm off hours. Um, <laughs> we, we do have a landlord-tenant mediation program. Oh, cool. And so, um, you know, I would encourage a lot of people who are, thinking of eviction or people who want to, you know, maybe they don't want to pay rent because their landlord isn't fixing something. Maybe check out mediation first as an opportunity before you make any, you know, decisions about that um, because it can save a lot of money in the long run, particularly here in Dayton. We have actually a, um, uh, a, a program that that is tied to the courts and so people get you know free mediation services as part of their filing with the courts if there's an eviction so i never um, thought about that so do you have to file with the courts before applying for mediation or can you apply for mediation without having to file a judgment in the courts yeah you can certainly go to a mediation first yeah you don't have to file for does do like all municipalities have mediation like your yeah it's definitely something that is every once in a while i think um we're we're really lucky here in dayton that they've invested in this you know service and we have a free community mediation program here in the city so any you know if there are any neighbor conflicts or anything like that people can go to mediation like you know once we see all the time or people build a fence you know and they act and they build it on someone else's property, and right, so they're calling the um, cops immediately about something. Like you can just exactly. go to mediation and have a neutral party work it out with you guys. Exactly, That's and we cool. we do those services now because of Zoom. We do them across the country, so anybody listening could give us a call. <laughs> That's great. Do you want to leave the number here for us? Yeah, sure. It's a. Uh, DaytonMediationCenter.org is the website, and the number is 937-333-2345. And we will make sure to leave that in the show notes. We have oh, awesome. so many yeah. history things to put in the show notes of this one. We'll see. But we'll add that one into the show notes <laughs> just in case 
Um, and I'm glad you touched on that because I'd forgotten in the beginning of the show I wanted to to touch on that. The background in mediation I feel like would be so great when you're dealing with tenants because you yeah. kind of already are in that mindset of like, hey, we're going to try to figure this out one way or another. We don't need to go to either extreme. We see it all the time. What happens is, you know, people uh, will decide, oh, I'm not going to pay rent. And then they get evicted because they didn't pay rent. And they, instead of putting it in escrow, just withheld rent. And, you know, don't do that. If you're listening, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Not that that's legal advice, I have to clarify. Right. I'm glad that you put the disclaimer in there. Sorry about my little tangent. That just gets right underneath my skin. Yeah, but that background has to be so helpful. For sure. With your long-term tenants and your Airbnb tenants, because obviously more turnover, more chances for problems. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, with the mindset you have, I'm sure a lot of those big problems that people think are, oh, my God, what's going to happen, you can kind of take in and, Mm -hmm. I don't know, think about it. Not knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It certainly helps, you know. Um, I think, and you know, I think so much about the um, rental property businesses. It comes down to communication um, because, you know, if if there's going to be a tenant that's gone through, you know, some rough stuff at work, and they're they know they're going to be late, but um, you know, they're going to get you the rent, then you know communicating that with your landlord it goes so far i think and um and just being able to you know understand okay they're going to be late this month but next month it'll be fine mm-hmm. right uh, have you, you seen know. a lot of that payment issue through COVID. the whole covid thing yeah. and that's what i was gonna ask too yeah i certainly seen that um and um you know, I think that that's, that's had an impact on some people for sure. And we've seen a, a mediation quite a bit too, you know, so, um, here in Dayton, there's actually a, uh, a program through the County that they kind of redirected some County funds to help provide some, uh, mediation services throughout the County for landlord tenant disputes. That's good. Yeah. That's definitely an aspect of real estate. That's not as Yeah, I mean, it's it's at least around here for the most part, and I'm guessing across the country, it's, all right, landlord not doing something, tenant files a lawsuit, and vice versa. There's no, like, there's, yeah, there's mediation never, isn't talked about, isn't under the spotlight, isn't really looked on as an option. And it's not for any business, though. Like, any business. I'm going to sue you because you cut my dog's hair too short, or, like, whatever it is. Like it's I hope that wasn't a thing. Oh, no, it was a thing. Oh, I've seen it all. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> what's this? St- all right, I know client confidentiality. Yes. What's the weirdest dispute? <laughs> Can you share it on air? Is the, is it going to be PG enough? Oh, uh, I probably can't share the weirdest because uh, we do all kinds of stuff. I I do divorce mediation. I do parenting time, visitation mediation. So I hear a lot of things. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, maybe off um, you can tell us. <laughs> I will say, I will say though, um, for people who are going to mediation, my only plea would be, you know, maybe put on a shirt sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. Stop it! Oh my goodness! No. You never know what you'll see. 
Really? I did hear through this whole COVID thing, they started doing hearings over Zoom. And like one lady, I don't know if she was in Florida or California, but flipped up her laptop on the beach in her swimsuit. It was like <laughs> in her court hearing, like sunbathing. Wow. Oh, goodness. And it was That's super pretty, weird. That's pretty bold. At least right? She didn't have a dog face on Oh, a filter? Yeah, a filter on her face. <laughs> yeah, that's the next step. Well, we we all heard about the, what was it? Was it a, a lawyer that was a cat or a dog? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't great. hear about that one. Yeah. I loved that one. That was hilarious. Well, good <laughs> tip. Even. Good tip, wear a shirt to mediation shirt. if you need to. Yes, like, please. You're not even asking for a tie, no. just a shirt. Just a oh, shirt. no, 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 just a shirt is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe shoes. But we're not even requiring shoes at this point. <laughs> shirt. So it's only like midsection up. Just that's a shirt. That's funny. Um, that, I mean, that's very cool. And I like the show because we've had, I think the last three shows we've had. Investors. Like, I'll call them like full-time investors. Like, that was their career. That is where they're going. And right. for our audience to keep hearing that, sometimes it's just, it's too much. Yeah. So I know that there's a lot of listeners out here that are, I mean, like Natasha, that are on the fence. I am so on the fence. So <laughs> yeah. to see you kind of, you keep your full-time job, you want your full-time job. Yes, it'd be nice being cut to half, but it's not a need. So for you to go about it at the pace and the speed and the comfort level that you're going at, what would you give in terms of one tip for our viewers that are on that kind of threshold to just give them some comfort to go at their own speed or to go what makes them comfortable? Yeah, I guess I would say, you know, um, you know, kind of play to your strengths, you know. So um, for me, uh, that was um, looking, you know, I, I, I knew the community that I was investing in pretty well. And um, I also had some carpentry skills, so I knew that I could do a little bit of uh, labor to try to increase the, the property value a little bit. And, um, you know, I was able to kind of leverage those things. And then, you know, the fact that I had a friend already interested in the property and, um, you know, I, I, I would go for it, I guess would be my advice. Um, I, I would definitely though urge people to, you know, consider, do you want that 3am phone call that oh. the water just, you know, bursted and, and you have to deal with that now or, or do you want a property management company to deal with that? And, um, and that's something, you know, for at least three of the properties, I'm, I'm comfortable kind of managing that, but, um, um, I guess I didn't anticipate as fully how much, you know, uh, taking on four properties within one with the, with the, um, the quadplex, I guess. Um, so, you know, that, that's probably on me and I, I probably, uh, you know, I would definitely urge people to consider, you know, is that what you want to do or not? Yeah. We won't hold it against you, but I yeah. can completely understand. Like I do not miss early morning phone calls or late night phone calls for any like circumstance. Um, so I can only imagine if, you know, there was an emergency phone call at, two in the morning like oh i would not want to deal with that yeah but i mean you know, that doesn't have to stop you either because you can use property management company and 
I, I still think it's a really good return on investment, particularly if you understand the community that you're investing in. So um, it's probably going to give you a higher return than, uh, you know, a stock pick that you choose. I mean, unless, unless you figured out GameStop early on. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Right? Don't we all wish we could, like, foresee the future like that? Cool. Right. But in... When I go at looking at properties, and I didn't just create this. This is something that was told to me. Someone said, when you invest in a property, always factor in property management. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what, even if you're going to manage it yourself, factor in case. property management. Because when you get, well, even if you go at one house per year, one house every five years, in a decade or in two decades, you're going to have so many properties, and you might be in a different life point where you're not going to want to manage them. So if you create the buffer when you buy it and when you have it and you're managing your own, then to flip the switch and hire property management, it's not like, okay, how much money am I losing? In the beginning, you already factor that in. So just a tip for people that are getting in that are like, yeah, I'll manage it just like you. I'll manage it all myself. And then something tips where, all right, that's too much and it's taking too much of my time. Property management, step in. Mm -hmm. I like that. That was good advice. Awesome. Good. Um, well, we, I get cut off at an hour <laughs> by Natasha. He gets his warning signals, and then he gets his stricter warning signals, and then it's like you cut the throat. Just you got to. <laughs> so I got my warning signal. So I'm going to let Natasha ask the last question, even though I feel I like I know the answer. I know. Uh, so typically our last question is, What's been your favorite either DIY project or favorite project that you've accomplished? But, I mean, this whole show has kind of been about your DIY projects. <laughs> That's funny. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a different one. Okay. Uh, which is that the property that we've, you know, got the Airbnb at down in Ripley is actually, it has a bunch of maple trees. And so recently I was able to tap the maple trees and oh, make cool. maple syrup which was awesome. Is it so delicious? It really is, yeah. Um, homemade maple syrup is better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's been a bunch of people in our community, too, that have, that I see that are tapping their maple trees. Um, so it would be interesting to do a side-by-side comparison with your your A, store brand um, maple syrup, your B, um, like high-end maple syrup that you buy that's like, I don't even know. Do a blind test. Oh, and your C, your homemade tapped maple syrup. Just like do a blind taste test to see which one comes out on top. I would love to see how it stands up for <laughs> sure. Awesome. Well, that was a really cool DIY project. I, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. So how, um, how can people watch your YouTube videos? Um, is there a link or is there uh, – do you have a name for your channel? Yeah, if you search for My Neck of the Woods Arch Grieve, then uh, you should be able to find it. There's also a popular song, I think, called My Neck of the Woods, which <laughs> will probably come up. But um, but that's a good way to find me. And um, then, uh, you know, I, I usually include a link to my Airbnb within the uh, um, the episodes and the most recent episode was actually about making the maple syrup So if you want to know how I made it, then you can check it out. Awesome We'll have to put a link to your Airbnbs in our show notes, too So people can uh, can reserve their Airbnb stay with you too going forward That would be awesome. Thank you for sure. Yeah, 
Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I I think our viewers are going to get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of fascinating history that I get to go yeah. go home and nerd out about. And just super, <laughs> you were just super down to earth. So yeah. It's been very oh, much appreciated. We've loved this conversation. Well, I loved being on. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk soon. All right. Take Thanks care. So much, guys. Have a good weekend. Bye.